When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Penn State survived just a brutal game against Indiana. A win is a win. Wins are hard to come by. James Franklin does remind us of that frequently. And in two weeks, Michigan comes to town for a massive game. Penn State still has hopes for a college football playoff berth. But why is it then that it's so hard to feel good about this team? You know, as you sit there and you watch the Indiana game, I don't know how you come to any other conclusion but to say that offense is lousy. And, you know, could they beat? Michigan in a couple weeks could the defense play the greatest game ever and they get some turnovers and all of a sudden you f- you find yourself 11 and 1 and in a Big 10 championship game are those things possible you know what in sports anything's possible and i know there's a, a big feeling out there as well there should be that if you're a Penn State fan Michigan's coming up That'll determine the season. Already lost Ohio State, looked putrid offensively in that. Find a way to beat Michigan, and you've salvaged something pretty darn good, because I think, and many people I think would agree with this, that Michigan is the best team in the country, although they haven't been fully challenged yet. But I'm going to get back to what I said earlier. It's just hard to feel good about this Penn State team. If you watch the games... If you're one of those people that just says a win is a win, that's great. Just feel good you got the win and move on. That's that's fair. That's a reasonable way to look at sports because they did win the game. By God, Indiana is terrible. And the game was tied with three minutes to go at home at Beaver Stadium. Penn State's offense was awful for the first basically 57 minutes of the game, and then they get the huge touchdown on the long TD pass from Drew Aller to Keandre Lambert-Smith to win the game, and then they add a safety. So, again, a win is a win. If you want to feel good about it, a lot of people are in that camp. I try to judge sports teams on what they truly are, and... I cannot bring myself to anywhere near the conclusion that this is a great Penn State football team. The defense we thought was great, even had a a really good day at Ohio State, and then gets burned by Indiana. Penn State's very lucky Indiana missed a field goal 
or else the end the end of that game could have been a little bit differently had the Indiana kicker made that one field goal at a, at a key point in the game when I believe it was 24-14. Anyway, the Hoosiers come back to tie. And I, again, my, my bottom line complaint with this Penn State team is just this offense. I, I cannot believe that we're talking about this level of poor play on the offense. You've got two outstanding running backs in Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen. At least we think they're outstanding. You've got a five-star quarterback recruit in Drew Aller. You've got really good tight ends. We thought the offensive line was would be good. I keep coming back week after week after week after week and talking about the receivers because you would think that a well-rounded sports team could overcome a deficiency in one area. But the deficiencies at the wide receiver position for this Penn State team basically define this team and this season. And I cannot wrap my head around how James Franklin, his staff, let the situation deteriorate the way it is at receiver. Keandre Lambert-Smith is a nice receiver. Went up, made a nice catch on a ball, scored the touchdown, tight roped the sideline, helped win the game. The rest of these receivers, I mean, you just shake your head and wonder how these guys have got, how, how this program has gotten to the point where these are the guys. These are the guys. You know, it's hard to be just overly critical of a young man. Dante Cephas is out there trying his best, but he hasn't been anywhere close to the answer. He played most of the game. Malik McLean played most of the game, had no catches. They targeted him one time on a deep ball. Really, really tough break with Harrison Wallace, the third, getting injured. Looked like a shoulder injury. He was wearing a sling in the second half. Who knows how long he'll be off, but oh my goodness. Out, who knows how long he'll be out. But my goodness, man, you take him out of the equation. And now Cephas and McLean, and you know, we really didn't see Liam Clifford in the game. I mean, what are they gonna do at the receiver spot? And why, why can they not fix this? These the, the head coach is getting paid eight and a half million dollars a year. The offensive coordinator, we believe Yersich is making around two million dollars a year. They've recruited exceptionally well. Why do they not have a better wide receiver group? Because that wide receiver group is bogging down the offense, bogging down the entire team, and bogging down the program. Why isn't Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen running the ball better? Why is the offensive line so mediocre? I mean, I keep saying it's because the wide receiver situation is so dire that it allows opposing defenses to to do different things against Penn State. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know uh, how big of a how big of a drop has Nicholas Singleton taken this year? Is it on him? He added some weight. He's not broken a big carry yet. He doesn't seem to break many tackles at all. And with the game on the line, they had Catron Allen in the game. 
down the stretch in the fourth quarter and when the game was tied 24-24. Catron Allen was in the game. We've asked that question really for weeks now. You know, who's the better running back? If, if the game's on the line, who are you going to have in the game? Uh, again, I, I, I feel a little bad because they did win the game. We'll talk about Drew Aller and the touchdown pass, the interception. We'll talk about more of that in the second, in the second segment. But I just can't bring myself to being anywhere near optimistic about this offense. It's just, uh, it's mind boggling, really. You, you scratch your head. And you think Yersich's track record, you've got Aller, you've got these running backs. How can they be this bad? How can they be this bad? I mean, to struggle against Indiana, Michigan beat Indiana 52 to seven. All right. You know, sure, there was a hangover effect after the Ohio State loss, but, you know, quite frankly, Indiana looked like the better team for most of that game. Is there anybody out there that can feel that can confidently say Penn State played like the better team? No, I, I think you can confidently say that for most of that game, for much of that game, the majority of that game, Indiana looked like the better team. How ridiculous is that? So I'm I'm as dumbfounded as all of you. Um, I try to keep perspective on things, and they did win. And at the end of the day, when you win the game, that is what matters most. But remember all the talk for months and months and months about this is James Franklin's best team, most loaded roster, playoff hopes and potential. And when you see it play out on the field and you're just kind of shaking your head of they're getting outplayed by Indiana. At home, I mean, I, it's just hard. It's hard to understand how this team, and again, we're talking specifically about the offense for the most part, but the defense made mistakes, but how this team has looked as pedestrian as it has for really most of this season. Welcome back. Drew Aller, leading 24-21, might have thrown the best interception in Penn State history. Now, we won't know the answer to this for a while, this season, maybe even next season. But I do believe, I, I am in the camp of kind of thinking that with the streak that he had, FBS record to start a career, 311 consecutive pass attempts without interception. That's an amazing, amazing accomplishment. But I'm of the opinion that he needed to throw an interception to loosen himself up and to, to not really worry about the streak and to take chances a little bit more. Now, Drew Aller himself said it's we after the game, he said it's weird to hear that kind of talk. But then Keandre Lambert-Smith, who caught the winning touchdown, said, yeah, he he kind of glad that Drew threw the interception because now, you know, he could kind of, it could kind of loosen things up a little bit. And so I, I do fall into that camp that 
I think he has been so overly conservative and uh, you know, I, I, so, so when I say that it's, it's could turn out to be the best interception in Penn state history, what you judge athletes on at any sport, really at any level is the adversity and how they come back from it. And I want to say the, the way drew Aller handled the, the adversity coming back from the interception, Indiana ties the game three minutes ago. Boom. They take the shot. They finally hit the shot down the field for the long touchdown. He had the confidence to throw the ball. He put the ball on the money. Look, Drew has not been good throwing the deep ball. He just hasn't. He's taken he's taken uh, a dozen shots or so this year, and he's not connected on any of them. Now, the wide receivers, we can place a lot of blame on them for not getting a lot of separation. But a lot of times the ball is not really either there or it's not overly catchable anyway. Well, this one was. He gave KLS a shot. He made the catch. But in terms of what that sequence could end up doing for Drew Aller, again, we're not going to know the answer to this this week against Maryland or next week against Michigan. This might be a long-term kind of thing, just in terms of his development, a career-defining moment. I'm trying to speak to the best-case scenario here, that maybe he just needed to get that interception out of the way to loosen himself up, Realize it's okay to take a chance. Understand that, hey, if you, if you throw, if, if you make a bad play every now and then, so what? Come back from it. And he did. And the young man deserves a whole lot of credit. He really does. I keep coming back to the opinion that this is not the quarterback we expected to see. Drew Aller just clearly is not the guy that we thought we would see. But maybe he can become that guy. Maybe he is becoming that guy, and he's needed all of these experiences, these ups and downs. I've taken some some grief over the last week or so for saying, hey, Geiger, you were the one that was saying during the offseason, he's going to have ups and downs. We need to be patient with Drew Aller. Why are you being overly critical of him right now? And you know what? Uh, I don't really think I am being overly critical of him right now. He... for all the downs that he's had, I don't think he's had anywhere near enough ups. Okay. He is not, even at his best, he has not been as good of a quarterback as I thought he would be at his best. I thought there would be some games where Drew would come out and just be phenomenal. And then I thought there could be some games where he'd come out and be really bad. He was really bad against Ohio State. Wasn't real good at all against Illinois. But quite frankly, he hasn't really had many games where he's come out and been really good either. He was good against West Virginia, but After that, you know, not so much. So I had great expectations for Drew Aller's high points this season. He hasn't really reached those. I did think there would be low points this season, and he has reached some of those. But for me, he is a work in progress. He can get better. I do expect him week after week, by the end of the season, going into a bowl game, I expect, and you know, maybe this is kind of more of the, the wishful thinking kind of thing, but I, I expect him to be significantly better at the end of this season. Hey, we're already through a good bit of the season though. All right. So how much, you know, how much better can he get in four or five, six weeks? Uh, but how much better, how much can all of these experiences help him for the off season and then for next year? These are all growing pains. And, and learning experiences that quarterbacks have to go through. I just, I, I don't think I'm alone here in saying I just expected his highs 
to be a lot higher. He's had lows, and I expected the lows. But again, this gets us back to the wide receiver situation, which is clearly an issue. And I don't think I spent enough time earlier on the running back situation because I I don't know, man. For as good as Nicholas Singleton looked last year in breaking off those long touchdowns, and I'm the same way as a lot of you. I'm thinking in the back of my head, he's going to get one at some point. He's going to get a care. Oh, this is going to be it. Oh, ankle tackle for a seven-yard gain. Then a little bit later, oh, oh, wait, this could be it. This could be it. He's going to go. Tackled for an eight-yard gain. There's just not been that level of burst to the second and obviously third level. And look, these defenses, they are keying in on the running backs. They know that the Penn, the Penn State passing game is not good enough, and that's where you connect all the dots. But to see this level of drop-off from Nicholas Singleton has to be incredibly frustrating. I I am really on board with the, the thought process as of right now that the best running back on the team is Katron Allen. Um, but I, 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 you know, you, you just need to see more from both of these guys. To me, Katron just runs harder. will give you a little bit more after the initial contact. So, um, but Hey, all things considered with where this offense is right now going into Maryland. And Hey, look, you can sit here and say, ah, they might struggle at Maryland. Maryland just lost in Northwestern, for goodness sake. Maryland has let, no, has let Ohio State beat them three times. Seriously. So Maryland is up 17 to 10 at Ohio State, loses 37 17, loses the next game to Illinois, loses the next game to Northwestern. So, you know, you, you hear all the time, well, they let this team, this team beat us twice. Well, Maryland has let Ohio State beat them three times now. And I, Penn State's favored by 10 over Maryland. I fully expect Penn State to go in uh, and play well this week um, and, and win because I just think they've got a physical advantage there. Maryland is is not a strong physical team. I don't want to get ahead of myself looking ahead, though, because, uh, again, just looking back on what's happened, uh, the the lack of the lack of explosiveness on offense and what it does to the entire team, just really, really difficult to uh, understand. Difficult to understand how this wide receiver scenario has played out, what James Franklin has to be thinking at this point, what they can do uh, to either affix this or alleviate this at this point in the season. Because frankly, folks, I'm just not sure that they can. Welcome back to the third and final segment. I want to spend a few minutes here uh, talking about the Michigan situation and the alleged cheating scandal. Um, just kind of break down some of my thoughts on all of this with Michigan looming here in a couple of weeks. You know, depending on who you're rooting for in life, 
in sports, that will shape how you generally feel about something. I was, uh, look, I'll admit, I was a, a Patriots fan for a long time with Tom Brady. Uh, they played a style of football that I enjoyed. I grew up watching Dan Marino. I love offense. The Patriots played that kind of similar style, and I, I just enjoyed that. For all you Patriots haters out there, that's fine. Spygate kind of defined the way a lot of people look at Bill Belichick. Um, as a Patriots fan, I never really thought it was that big of a deal. So now I'm going to be hypocritical and tell you that I do think the Michigan thing is a pretty big deal. And I will own it and say, well, hey, why didn't you think Spygate was a bigger deal? I have gone back and read a whole lot more about Spygate in the last week or so. And I do think it is a bigger deal now than maybe I did at the time. The reason I say this is, man, there are a lot of Michigan fans who are clenching in, doubling down, saying that they don't think they did anything wrong, which is laughable and preposterous because it appears, in my opinion, I have to say that, you know, from a legal standpoint, really, in my opinion, it appears that Michigan had a a really kind of well-orchestrated thing going on there of breaking the rules. And uh, this this staffer with what he was, Connor Stallions, with what he was doing, uh, taping these other uh, other teams. And you can look and say, hey, well, sign stealing is not that big of a deal. Everybody does it. Okay, or at least they try. Sure, that is true. But the way they were going about it, and uh, I mean, the paper trail and... I guess maybe they were so good or so prolific. Good is not the right word. They were so prolific in how they did it that it was, it probably made them easier to catch. Cause the, it, 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 one of the things that criminals do that get them caught is they involve more people. If, if you're going to break a law, break a rule and you just do it yourself, your chances to get away with it are pretty good. Once you involve somebody else, your chances lessen. Once you involve five people, 10 people, 30 people, if you're paying other people to film games and send them to you, now you've run the risk of getting caught because people, other people are just going to spill the beans on you. So how big of a deal is this Michigan thing? Hey, to me, if they've been flat cheating like this on top of the alleged lying that Jim Harbaugh was doing to the NCAA over their last issue just a few months ago that got him suspended for some games. I'm of the opinion, not that this is going to happen, but I'm of the opinion if they've got hard and fast evidence like right now or very soon, then I think Michigan should be banned from the college football playoff this year. I absolutely do. Now, some people, especially the Michigan folks who are doubling down, say, oh my gosh, that's preposterous. How would you ever do that? Because again, folks, I think Michigan is the best team in the country. I think Michigan is going to win the national title. How many times in sports, especially college football or college basketball, have we ever been talking about a team that is fantastic right now being punished in the current present situation that could hurt them this season. We always talk about, well, they'll miss a tournament next week and next year in college basketball, or they'll get a bowl ban next year. Hey, to me, if they've got concrete proof that Michigan was doing this, it's my opinion that they should be banned from the college football playoff this year. 
And, you know, maybe some of you think that's crazy and that's going too far. But, you know, if you're going to be this brazen and this careless and this, I guess, adventurous or, uh, you know, if, if you're obnoxious, really, if you're going to be this obnoxious in the way you do it, that you're going to be you know, pre-scouting all kinds of games and opponents and allegedly filming stuff then you run the risk of being punished pretty severely right now. Do I think that's going to happen? No. It's October 28th as I'm recording this. Do I think that the the NCAA, they're going to turn this around so quickly and ban Michigan from a college football playoff that's going to take place in two months? No. Do I think they should? Well, yeah. If they can't find some smoking guns, which they probably already have, I, I think Michigan, it's it's a gigantic discussion because, you know, not just with Penn State, but other teams, you got to fill four teams. At this point, Georgia's going to get in. They'll go undefeated, it appears. Florida State's going to get in. And, uh, you know, then you're talking about, does Michigan get in? Does a second team from the Big Ten get in? Somebody, Oklahoma loses over the weekend to Kansas. I'll, I'm going I'm to say more about Kansas here in a second. But. I mean, it, these are significant, significant decisions that are going to have to be made here in the coming weeks. And no, I don't expect Michigan will be banned. But, hey, I, I can see I can see reason to ban them. I think it's bad enough if you're cheating to that level to ban them immediately if they do find the smoking gun. And real quick, Lance Leopold, the coach at Kansas, I just want to give a shout out to him. I, I've said this for a couple of years that I think Lance Leopold is the best college football coach in the country that nobody knows. Uh, Lance Leopold, uh, I researched him a few years ago when he was at Buffalo and they came to play Penn State in, I think, 2015. And I remember seeing his record. He coached at Division Three Wisconsin Whitewater. You know what his record was there? 109-6. and six. And I remember looking at that when he was at Buffalo and thinking, like, how in the world do you go 109 at six? And he won something like one, two, three, four, six national championships, 109 at six in division three. And then he did a nice job at Buffalo for a couple of years. Now he's at Kansas. And I'm telling you, just in terms of what that guy does with, with very little, because Kansas doesn't have a great deal of talent. Uh, Lance Leopold has always very much impressed me. And that could be end up being a big, big game. For Penn State with Oklahoma being out of the mix, and now you, but you got one loss with both Big Twelve teams. The Pac twelve, you know, Washington is still sitting there. Somebody's going to need to beat Washington if that happens. You could get two Big Ten teams in, but look, all this is going to come down to Penn State's got to beat Michigan. Do I think right now, sitting here, that Penn State's going to beat Michigan? Absolutely not. One hundred percent. I'm an absolute no on that. I'm not going to give a score prediction yet. But I think Michigan can win by double digits. Excuse me, even at Beaver Stadium, which you know you you'd rarely ever pick that kind of loss uh, at Beaver Stadium, a double digit loss. But two weeks out, I, I don't really see much chance for Penn State to beat Michigan. But hey, go to Maryland this week, win comfortably. Maybe the offense figures some things out. Maybe Drew Aller looks great. And they go into the Michigan game in a couple weeks with a phenomenal amount of confidence. You never know. Sports, sports are crazy. Do I think this is a really good Penn State football team? No. 
I do not. I do not. I think this is an extremely disappointing offense that bogs everything else down. But you know, they that's the thing about sports. They'll have chances to go out on the field and prove me or anybody else wrong. By the way, just in closing, want to thank everybody out there in the world, uh, the internet, social media that has uh, sent me some positive messages over the last day or day and a half. Uh, yeah, I I actually felt pretty good that Penn State took a deep shot and won on a long pass play. That's exactly what I was asking James Franklin a few weeks ago. I've tried to own up and say that I worded the question poorly, but it did it did rub me the wrong way that a lot of national media folks just took the answer and dunked on me because it was a funny video. And yes, it was funny and, and you know, kind of made fun of me, even though I what I was saying and what I was pointing out was one billion percent true that you've got to take some shots, you've got to open some things up. Anybody that really knew Penn State football knew exactly what I was getting at to me, including James Franklin. So for them to win the game on that kind of play, <laughs> I've had a whole bunch of people contact me say they won on the Corey Geiger play, which is which is kind of funny, but I appreciate some of the folks. There are a lot of few people actually that have sent some positive messages my way over the last day and a half. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.